Good morning, everybody. Are you well? Happy New Year. Have you uh, made any New Year's resolutions yet? Have you broken any yet? I think Phil probably has in the back. Um, We have started a new preaching series, um, and, and we are preaching for the next few weeks on this tiny book, Virtually Unknown Prophet God Haggai. Ben, ben has warned us he likes to, to get used to this, by the way. He likes to preach from some obscure parts of the uh, Bible. So, so, so that will happen again. And we don't get much more obscure than this little book and this little prophet called Haggai. But I love this little book and I'm delighted that, that we are sort of speaking on this. And the verses I'm preaching for, just two verses, as, as you've just heard. Uh, and I'm going to focus actually on one particular phrase in the second verse of, of these, uh, a passage, verse 2, and this phrase is, Thus speaks the, the Lord of hosts, saying, These people say, The time has not yet come. Before we go any further, let's just pray together. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, as, as we've just been praying, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you have been with us personally, corporately, in 2023. Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord of 2024 already. You know every moment of it, it's all unfurled before you. None of it is a surprise to you. Lord, as we enter this new year as a church, as individuals, Lord, we pray for your presence. We pray for your power. Lord, we want to know you more. As you've just been praying, as Angie's been praying, Lord, we we long for that. And so, Lord, even in this moment, we pray for your spirit. Lord, will you speak to us? Speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were at the, the... a Cultivate course that we did over 18 months ago, you will have heard me tell the story of Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to to, um, China, now a very famous missionary, uh, in the late 1800s. And one day when he was out there, he went on a journey from Shanghai to a place called Ningpo on a boat. And and while he was on this journey, he uh, befriended a guy called Peter, and because he was an evangelist. He started sharing sort of Jesus with him. He had lots of good conversations. And then one day, halfway through this journey, as Peter was walking along the deck of this boat, he tripped on something and he fell overboard. And Hudson Taylor watched this happen. He ran down the length of this boat, shouting at the passengers and crew to help to do something. But nobody moved. Nobody helped. Nobody moved a muscle. And so Hudson Taylor ran to the mast and he pulled down the sort of sail and he jumped overboard to try and find Peter, but he couldn't find him. But nobody else moved. Nobody helped. Nobody moved a muscle. And so he shouted to a nearby fishing boat. He asked them if they would help him. And they, they, they said, we will help you if you pay us. And so he jumped back on board, ran to all his stuff, got every penny he had, gave it to these fishermen. And they trolled or searched whatever, and within one minute they had found Peter. But of course it was too late. Peter was dead. He could have been saved, but nobody moved. Nobody helped. 
Nobody moved a muscle. Against a backdrop of terrible complacency, there was only one person who showed any signs of urgency. And I, and I want to talk today about urgency and the enemy of urgency, which is complacency. And I spoke on some of this in, on our Cultivate course. If you were there, forgive me, but it seemed appropriate as I was praying for this time to, to speak on this again. Because as we stand here on the verge of another year, as 2024 rolls out in front of us, as we look forward to what is going to unfold in all our lives, as we examine our hearts, the word of God through Haggai is asking us, all of us, about what state our hearts are in. Is it in a state of urgency or complacency? And, and, and the language, the message of the complacent heart is found in Haggai 1 verse 2 in the second of our two verse passage. And that is this. The time has not yet come. But before we dig into, into this, let's remind ourselves the background of this fabulous little book. Some 66 years earlier, in 586 BC, Jerusalem was decimated by the, the marauding Babylonian armies. And tragically for, for Judah, her, her glorious temple, built by King Solomon in 967 BC, was totally destroyed. And God's covenant people did not have a place to, to worship God, a, a, a physical place. Um, f- for the first time since Moses had his tabernacle, over a thousand years before that. Most of, Judah's ex, most of Judah's population were sent into exile into Babylon, over a thousand miles away into a modern-day Iraq. But in 539 BC, uh, King Cyrus of Persia amazingly defeated the Babylonians out of nowhere. And a year later, he made it possible, he did this famous decree, making it possible for all the exiles to go back. But really disappointingly, only 50,000 exiles went back. Only a fraction of those who were exiled in Babylon. Only a fraction went back. But as soon as they got back, they started to rebuild. And to rebuild God's temple. But virtually had they started, then they faced opposition. As we read in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And all of it ground to a halt. And then 16 years later, Haggai, who was one of the original returnees, one of those 50,000... His prophetic ministry begins, and his ministry lasts for five months. That's it. It happens in the year 520 BC. Uh, And when Haggai opens his mouth, it was the first time God's voice had been heard in Judah for 70 years. Daniel and Ezekiel had had a big prophetic ministry, but it was in Babylon. This was the first time God's voice had been heard in Judah for 70 years. And what was God's first word? What was the first thing he said? This is what he said. These people say, the time has not yet come. For 16 years, they had become demoralized by their opposition. They had become complacent in their faith. And even as they walked past the rubble of God's temple and the unfinished... um, foundations of his new temple, they said to to themselves, the time has not yet come. Let's leave it till next week, next month, next year. We'll get around to it sometime. But we have other priorities. The time has not yet come.
And the role of the prophet throughout scripture, everywhere throughout scripture, is to stand on street corners and public squares with a massive megaphone and to shout to God's people, wake up! Do what you did before. You have drifted from what God intended. Something is no longer as God would have it. And Haggai is no different. The first time God's voice is heard in Judah in 70 years, and it's not a, 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 a message of comfort, it's a message of challenge. And God says, there is a dangerous complacency in the hearts of my people. You are no longer urgent for my things, my priorities, my plans, my desires. At this point of challenge, of crisis, are there any people against the backdrop of real complacency are there any people who will show any sign of urgency? And for us today, of course, the work is not to rebuild a physical temple. One of the key differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is where God resides, the kind of symbol of his, resi- of his residence. And in, in the Old Testament, of course, it was the temple, the physical temple. In the New Testament, these times we still live in, it's not a temple, it's a church. And the church is, of course, not a building or an organization. It's a group of people. And so for us, God's call is not to to rebuild a physical temple, but it's to build his kingdom. And we don't just mean the kingdom here in Christchurch, in in Southport, but God's people wherever they are found. Sharing Jesus with those who don't don't know him. Building faith in those who do. Serving out of a deep love for, for God and his people. And yet for some of us, for some of us, If we are honest, as we start this new year, 2024, the answer has and has been, the time has not yet come. Why do people say the time has not yet come? What are we really saying when we say the time has not yet come? And there may be a number of things, but here are a couple of them. It's because we are usually either distracted or demoralized. And for the first group, this distracted group, what this group is really saying, what they are really saying is that the law is not their priority. I'm not going to mention this in any great detail. It will undoubtedly come up next, in, in our next week. But when we say the time has not yet come, sometimes deep down, even though we don't say it out loud, we dare not say it out loud. What we're saying is, the law is not my priority. My job, my relationships, my hobbies, my pursuits, my family, my dreams. I've got a lot of stuff on, God. I've got a lot of stuff on. Take a peek at my diary. I'm really sorry, but maybe I'll get around to you and your stuff next week, next month, next year. I'll let you know when I find the gap. And the post-exilic group of people in Judah contain a lot of these people. Look around, the Babylonians have decimated our country. We need to rebuild our sort of towns and our cities and our incomes and our jobs. The temple can wait. I'll let you know when I find a gap. The time is not yet come. And the second group, they're not distracted, but they're demoralized. These are people who have been ground down by opposition, by bad news by bad treatment from other people, by bad health, by the erosion of their faith. And the post-exilic group of people in Judah contained a lot of these people. We tried, God, we tried. 16 years ago, we tried to look what happened. 
Look at the opposition. We can't face that again. We need to lay low. We need to regroup. Temple can wait. I'll let you know when I'm ready. The time is not yet come. We usually neglect the work of God, the call of God on our our lives for mission and ministry because we're usually either distracted or demoralized. And the message of these people is usually the time has not yet come. But what's the alternative message? If that's the message of complacency, what's the message of urgency? And if you're of a certain age, you'll remember the events that happened on June 3, 1989, Tiananmen Square. Some of us still have the memory of that burnt into our, our, our minds when the Chinese authorities brutally crushed the student-led rebellion, killing hundreds, don't forget, injuring thousands, imprisoning hundreds of them more. But you might not know that in the May of that year, these students gathered together on a whole series of, of, of meetings, working out what they were going to do, knowing what they were striving for, knowing what the government threatened, violence and even death. And in one of those meetings, one of these students, one of these brave students stood up and he said those words which have reverberated since then. Many have heard it since then. These immortal words that God is calling for each of us on this moment for our call to mission and ministry. He stood up and said, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? This is the message of urgency. A message of people who understand that the time is now. It really is now that we must put aside these twin anchors of distraction and demoralization and say, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not us, then who? That remarkable kingdom pioneer, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, whose life burned with urgency, once said this. It's 19th century language, but its essence is still true today. He said, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their their brothers and sisters and servants and masses not to come there and, and then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. We're all called. All of us. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Now's the time to build. Now's the time to plant. I've said this before, I think, but there's an old brilliant Chinese proverb, when's the best time to plant a tree? 25 years ago. Of course it is. When's the second best time? Now! Plant it now. Do it now. Now is the best time to to, to plant and build. If not now, then when? And the urgency of Haggai and Zechariah and the Old Testament prophets and the urgency of Hudson Taylor and the urgency of William Booth and George Whitfield and, and, and Sir John Wesley on those giants on whose shoulders we, we stand and the urgency of those missionaries of the last generation who packed their belongings in a coffin because that's how they knew they would come back 
and the urgency of the faithful unseen servants in churches across this land as they see the rubble of God's temple on the unfinished foundation and they walk past it and say, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? We have many distractions. We have many We have been demoralized in our battles, but we refuse to let them rule our hearts and our lives and our choices. We will not say, the time is not yet come. So what do people look like when they say, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? What are the signs of urgency? And there are many, and I shared this at length and cultivate, my time is nearly up, I have time for just two. And the first, is this desperate, sacrificial, relentless prayer. If you read scripture, you find those people of urgency respond in this way. <coughs> Esther, her people facing annihilation in her book, and in chapter four of her book, how does she respond? Fasting, mourning, weeping, praying. Ezra, in chapters nine and 10, Haggai's mate, he returns to find Jerusalem in spiritual meltdown. How does he respond? Fasting, mourning, weeping, praying. Nehemiah, faced with news of uh, Jerusalem's spiritual ruin and physical ruin. How does he respond? Fasting, mourning, weeping, praying. Daniel, who, who knows and understands the exile should be over, who sees the reality of what is. How does he respond? Fasting, mourning, weeping, praying. The great ones respond in this way. And all these people, these change makers, who understood, who saw clearly their situation, who understand they faced a situation beyond their own reckoning and beyond their own ability, who understood the things can't just continue as they are, how did they respond? Desperate, sacrificial, relentless prayer. Urgency in your personal prayer life. Urgency in our corporate prayer life. Meeting with others in this church to, to pray for God's work among us. Meeting on a Monday night, as Ben has said. Praying with your small group, whatever it is. There's no greater indication of urgency than prayer. It's the first, bar- first barometer of urgency. How is your prayer life going at this moment, my friends? Second sign is this. Boldness and genuine risk-taking. And there's so many examples in Scripture. I have time for one. It's Acts 4. It's the beginning of... The church, this tiny group of people faced with so much threat, so much opposition, gathered together and they didn't pray for the release from it. This is what they prayed in Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, their meeting place was shaken. God loved that prayer. He loved it. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke God's word boldly. Men and women of urgency take genuine risks. Their situation demands it. The temple is in ruins and their foundations are unfinished. The situation demands it. And the Holy Spirit enables it. Your willingness to be bold and to take risks for the love of Jesus. Will you do that in 2024? It's the second barometer of urgency. How is that going with you, my friends? today. Sacrificial, relentless prayer, boldness and genuine risk-taking, two signs of urgency in God's people. My friends, as we stand on the cusp of a new year, 
as we look ahead into 2024, it's always a good time to, to examine our hearts, to examine our priorities, to lay before God all that we are. And it's, this only works if we are willing to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be open, to let the light of God's heart into the recesses of our hearts. And God says, I'm calling you to join me in this battle, this battle for God's, for, for sort of people's souls. The building of my kingdom, the building of my church, I'm calling you. And for some of us, if we are honest, in 2023, we have been distracted. The answer for too long has been, Lord, I got a lot of stuff on. Look at my diary. The time has not yet come. And for others, we have become demoralized by life, by the struggle by the opposition, by life itself. And we say, Lord, I'm not up to it. I'm not up to it. I'm not ready. The time has not yet come. But the word of God for you, for me, for us, for all of us, is the time is now. The time really is now. I'm calling you, says God. You are unique, each of you. Your calling is unique. Your shape is unique. It's time to get back into the battle. It's time to build again. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Let's pray together as we end. want us to spend a little moment in silence. Before God, let's just put our hearts before God in our lives. Let's just allow God's Spirit to speak into us. As we face the Lord of hosts, the God of all time, and all history as we look into his face. Let us respond to him with honesty and vulnerability. Are our hearts urgent or are they, if we're honest, are they complacent? And the Lord is gentle. He's full of grace. There's never any condemnation. But his word is put 2023 behind you. We have a new year ahead. And I'm calling you. Because I need you. No one else is like you. No one else has the gifts and the shape that you have. No one else. I need you. It's time to plant, it's time to build, and I want you. Just even as we sing this song, opposite response, I just urge you to respond to your